Okay. Well, I'm Corey. And I'm Woody. I'm Brian. And this is the ISOCast. This is like, um, what do they call that? A false start? <laughs> In the Olympics? Say, yeah, yeah, it's a false yeah. start. Yeah. yeah, we had a bit of a false start. You know, audio is tough. Even, even today, I don't know if you guys are finding it. Like now that everyone is largely at home and, you know, doing for some reason three or four times more meetings per week than they had to. I don't know what happened there. But um, we still can't quite get this, this audio video thing to work super well. It's not, it's not as easy as it should be by now. Yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah. Everything I do is just, it seems as though you're running into some kind of issue, whether it's audio, video, any technical. No, I used to joke that the internet got tired a few months ago when everyone just started, like everyone was on it at the same time. (laughs) (laughs) The internet just got tired, that's all. (laughs) I, I still have these sort of, I wouldn't say I was traumatized by it, but it was effective enough to make me, whenever the internet for some reason gets a little bit kind of wonky, wonder if it's raining outside. And I think that's a Costa Rica thing. Yes. Because consistently it would rain and the internet would slow down, which I don't understand. Yeah, I never really understood that either. It's (laughs) like, where are the cables coming from? They're not coming from the sky, so... But where now I'm thinking, Woody, is this is the confluence of information for me. Perhaps everyone, because it was raining, was inside and online. Oh. And well, there's something. That yeah. just bogged down the infrastructure. Well, you know, Cable Tica wasn't the strongest <laughs> bandwidth, I don't think, you know. So a little rain never hurt anybody, but it kills your video, I think is what they say. There's a lot of what's called dark fiber in Costa Rica. Uh, I learned this. It is um, a network of high-speed fiber optic uh, network connections, and it's called dark fiber because it's unused. It's untapped. They don't have the interface technology to you know, maximize it. So you could have screaming fast internet in Costa Rica, but, um, you know, that's eh, manana. Ahorita. Ahorita. <laughs> it's available. It's so, interesting. So, Brian, I was trying to think when, in the Costa Rica context, when did you leave? When did I leave? Wow. That would have been in the summer. I usually leave in August. <laughs> when I take off from places. You usually August. leave in August? Yeah, I get there in August and I leave in August. This is a good time to leave. Things Great are really time. starting to get the peak of their heat or lack thereof so august i think is when we took off but uh what what year was that that would have been 2011 i think okay yeah nine years nine years holy moly wow not long yeah i found that one mentally leaves costa rica long before they physically do i agree i agree six months before i left i would think Ooh, that's a long haul yeah I, well, what, what, do you, di- you differ? Am I different? Yeah, I mean, did you? when did you leave mentally from Costa Rica? Twice. <laughs> so, <laughs> one time I was, uh, and I never, I'll never forget this, I was in the 
ocean in Manuel Antonio swimming about and I had this overwhelming feeling that it's it's time to go you know um and that was maybe a few months ahead of leaving so maybe three months I think Uh, I was three months too more or less you know when you start going to those gorgeous pristine beaches and it starts to get normal at least for me that was like i think maybe i need to to do something else just for a little while because this shouldn't be normal this shouldn't be an everyday thing this is an awesome place but it became routine i guess right and i think for me the second time was i was only able to effectively conduct work in a casino uh, because that's where the internet was good Uh, so there again was maybe about three months prior to when I planned to leave that mentally I've checked out and I said, okay, I'm just going to go Pura Vida now for the next 90 days until I go home. Hangout session. Yeah. I hear that. I guess what I mean when I think six months is you start planning or thinking about what it's going to look like a year from now or what, what you need to get done. And eventually Costa Rica just doesn't fit into that equation. And it's like, oh, I'm going to need to do this, that, or the other, whatever it is. But that's when it like kind of starts sinking in, like, oh, I'm going to eventually have a date here that I'll have to start moving. I remember when you left. I, I, I assume you do, too. Is You had like a 2 a.m. flight or something. Yeah, I want to say right. it was Spirit Air and you wore a suit. I, <laughs> I did night. wear a suit, yeah. <laughs> I, I think it's a good idea to wear a suit when you look like I do. It, it kind of... Decreases your chances from getting a full body cavity surge. Including the flight crew, you're likely the only person dressed up <laughs> on a Spirit Air. I did buy that suit at a Goodwill down there, so but it wasn't the, the best of suits, I think. <laughs> and you're, you're where now? Uh, Kansas City. What is that? That is home for me. Missouri. Missouri, yeah. Is it Missouri? It is. Well, you mean the pronunciation? Yeah. Well, uh, Missouri. Okay. That's the way I say it. Because I can't say Louisville. Louisville. You know? I have a hard time with a lot of those. Yeah. I don't know why they say it that way, but it's a very odd pronunciation. You ever been to the Ozarks, Brian? Oh, yeah. Yeah? Yeah, it's not far. A lot of folks from here have places in the Ozarks, so... We'll I'd never heard of it place. until obviously I started watching that show, which I love on Netflix. Sure. Um, but it looks beautiful if you take away the storyline that they seem to be painting of the of the place. Yeah. But... It's it's a big place. That lake is just massive with all the different alcoves, you know, it has a very long shoreline. So there's a lot of property there, a lot of people that come every year. Okay. How how isolated are you guys in, in KC? You know, we're on 70 and 35. So 35 connects uh, Dallas, OKC, those major cities down south. And then 70 runs across from St. Louis, Denver, and then onward west. But, um, you know, those interstate highways kind of link everything together. And it doesn't seem that isolating, really. The the listeners can't see the face that Woody made because... (laughs) Uh, I have great experience with Americans vectoring their location based on the the interstate system. So I knew exactly what he was talking about, what he looked like. Man, I I think it's the same face Americans make when they ask, how far is Toronto? And we say two and a half hours. Yep. I thought you meant like latitude. 
That's what it is. 70 <laughs> and 30. Oh, yeah. okay. Hitting the Those longitudinal the, latitudinal lines. The coordinates. <laughs> just south of 38 parallel. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> Why didn't you say so? Got I it. Know, On right? my way. Yeah. Type it in. And how are you guys coping with, with the self-isolation? I'm sure that you have some sort of a shelter-in-place statewide thing going on. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Everyone's stuck staying at home. But uh, I'm 1.75 liters of whiskey a week at this point. So <laughs> I think that's keeping me sane in some capacity. We'll see. But, I mean, we're pretty far into it at this point. It's just it's starting to become routine. So that... Uh, makes it a lot easier so you've gotten over that that hump of like i think i've gone through this corn i've talked about this before this kind of process of at first it's kind of like this novel thing like it's a bit inconvenient but hey let's take two weeks at home and whatever and then after a month to six weeks it becomes a bit frustrating because like i still can't go outside and now i'm I'm where you are i'm just kind of like well this is life so let's sure. just keep doing it you know it's just what they want us to do <laughs> <laughs> To fight a fake virus is what I like to think. Okay. Fair enough. <laughs> I think though, you know, Woody and I were talking about this when you were in your car. Um, uh-huh. I think I think we're starting to lose the plot a little bit in terms of well, what the purpose of social distancing and, and stay-at-home orders are. Right? It's to my understanding still to maintain not the individual safety of the you know twenty-five-year-old walking down the street. It's to ensure that we maintain a hospitalization like a capacity for as people continue to get sick that we can still manage that and have all of the other things that once upon a time hospitals were for right sure sure i don't know if that's the the case now because it doesn't seem to me like COVID has a really bad marketing department there's they really don't <laughs> you know they don't get a very good solid message out in my opinion of what the heck's going on and what are we doing and why are we doing this mm, absolutely yeah no i mean that's why people come to start questioning it and start doing whatever they want because there's not really a and there's so much so much misinformation or counter information that i think is put out there just to kind of serve different agendas but Taking all that into account, I think a lot of people are just thinking it's over when something else comes up, and they're not getting that direction that they need from the public health department. But, I mean, what happens when they lift it? I mean, there's so much that they're predicting, but there's not really a unified message, as you're saying. Right. And I think, um, you know, I had a had a conversation again last week. I get I have this conversation maybe once a week. With a client in New York who wanted four of the production members to fly to their offices for a kickoff meeting. And, you know, I had that kind of the this, this stopgap where I, I now have to take a moment, stand up, count to 10, stomp my feet, and then <laughs> respond with, you know, for the safety of our team and for the safety of our clients, we are suspending travel at this time, you know, especially yeah. we consider that non-essential. But there's this they're like but our offices are opening so right. it's like but there's still a pandemic exactly exactly <laughs> like that hasn't stopped because just because you've decided that yeah. you're not going to adhere to any more of these uh, measures <laughs> have, have I, either of you participated in in some of the protests no i have not no i've seen them we were uh out 
to dinner last night, and uh, they were marching the streets of Kansas City down in the uh, Crossroads District. But, I, you know, they've, they've started to decrease in their violence, or at least in their destructiveness. So I think right now there's kind of an allowance, more so than there was a couple weeks ago or when they first started. So there's more congregation, but they're more peaceful on their protesting. So, I mean, it's a message that probably needs to be heard, I would think. But no, I haven't participated myself. You, how, what about you, Andrew? No, I haven't. It, it was in Toronto. It was yesterday. And I guess i never seen this, but I haven't noticed this before. But on Friday, there was anticipation of what you're talking about, destruction. And so businesses were boarding up their windows and stuff on Friday. I, as much as I've heard, nothing like that happened. And it was a very um, effective and peaceful demonstration, which is which is great to see because you've seen so much of the opposite on the news, at least recently. So at least in Toronto, I think it, it, it was good. Sure. Well, it's kind of an interesting thing to see the windows boarded up with the backdrop of a pandemic. It kind of right. reinforces this apocalypse scenario that we're sure. having in our minds. I think the the initial sort of burst of of rage and outrage that you know maybe spiraled into destruction might have passed. You know, I think we're we're past that. You know, the the white hot anger phase of this. And now getting into the the actionable items that we can start addressing. Um, but it, oddly, though, it's once again, the decision has somehow been made that we're going to find a way to do this despite the pandemic. Right. And Which it's hard. Odd, because you don't want, right? I don't want to be the guy that says, hey, but <laughs> yeah, right. Because, you know, you kind of don't want to say much of anything right now. Right. Well, I, have you heard this? I don't know where you guys are at, but a lot of people are saying, well, let's look to see if there's a spike after all these protests where they're almost expecting these people to contract viruses or at least start to show the numbers. You would think, I mean, statistically speaking, with X number, thousands of people, whatever the thousands is that you would think. But again, it, it goes back to testing and if people are being tested and the spike in numbers only happens if people go get tested and and yeah. I'm not saying that people sh- everybody should but th- there was a recommendation that I saw today that anyone who went to a protest should stay home for 14 days which we're kind of still in that phase anyway so mm-hmm. um we'll, we'll see maybe it sounds morbid but the the epidemiologists and statisticians are all like probably can't wait to see what comes out of this in one yeah. regard uh obviously the the human toll is you know, nothing that we take lightly, but I, it's possible even the, the folks burning down 5G towers are excited as well, because maybe this will be proof that there really isn't a virus. Yeah, it's, right. Exactly. Look, we're all fine. So. It could be a case study, right? Yeah. 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 I have to say they were installing the 5G towers right across my window when the pandemic first started. And you got to think, is that just a coincidence? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yes. Yes, yeah. it is. It sure is. <laughs> is there pressure in KC, Brian, as a you know a, a smaller city in, in terms of the greater U.S.? Is is sure. there? We've seen on the news at least pressure from you know Dallas and other other bigger cities to reopen and businesses to reopen. Is there been that kind of pressure in KC? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I mean, we they had a ten, ten, and ten rule for a little while there. 
that was recording you know, no more than 10 people or 10% of your capacity. And then after 10 minutes, you have to record everyone's name who's been there for longer than 10 minutes. Mm. So that the epidemiologist can trace who's coming and who's going. Of course, adhering to that rule wasn't mandatory, so not a lot of businesses did. Right. But then once things started opening up, they quickly dropped that rule. And there's an expectation that things are back to normal without any advice from a public health professional saying otherwise. It's just interesting what, you know, the feeling kind of people take away from something as opposed to the information they need. But yeah, right now people are just starting to get back to normal. Right. I think there's a lot of logic that needs to go. I mean, I've been saying, you know, just because a business is open doesn't mean you need to go. So if a restaurant is legally allowed to open and that's a different kettle of fish per se but just because a restaurant is open and there is a patio doesn't mean i have to go and sit on it so sure. we can still are able to make our individual decisions and choices inside of that i worry though to be honest with you that if people don't start going out to these businesses if people just don't start coming back to the areas they were going to that those businesses aren't going to be there anymore mm-hmm. i mean there's no way that i can't imagine trying to float an entire business without an income for months no do you have a i don't know if this is a toronto thing or a canada thing but there's like a takeout wednesday thing that we've that's been going a a social movement that you order food from your favorite restaurant on wednesdays and there's another thing that's on friday so a way to i guess open isn't the right verb because restaurants are open there's not open to go in and dine in at least in toronto so you can order most of them you can order food go pick it up or they'll deliver it so Wednesdays and Fridays are the days here where people are encouraged to do that, to support whatever your favorite local small restaurant establishment is um, to try and keep them afloat, so to speak. Is that like a social media movement? Is that Pretty much. Idea? Yeah, it's unofficial, okay. but it's been social media and just people saying in, on the news, they'll announce it and hey, it's Wednesday and remember to order from your favorite restaurant type of thing. It's a cool, yeah. I think it's cool. Yeah, no, it's great. Absolutely. I mean, you got to encourage people to do something. I just had an idea, which is, um, <laughs> all right. how cool would it be to have, like, we, we all have our favorite joints. Um, maybe we don't want anything from there. Maybe those joints were places that we wanted to go and hang out. Wouldn't it be interesting if there were some sort of a way that you could readily make uh, a donation to, or, you know, get some sort of a gift card to all your favorite places. And let's say five bucks, you know, I'm going to give them five bucks because I, I really like this joint. And that $5 might be what the profit was on, on that, on your place setting. Right. So it'd be really cool. Like there's a, Mm. there's a couple of restaurants locally here that I would absolutely give them five bucks a week, you know? And if you get, if you get a thousand people giving them five bucks a week, that's cash in a till that's keeping the business going. You know, if there were a platform that were made it easy to do something like that, I, I would do it. Almost like a Patreon. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but it's more like um, it's like it's an app that's it's all of the joints that decide to participate in it. So you can find your place in one location and go, I like this place, this place, this place, this place, you know, mm, sure. like an Uber Eats for donations. Yeah, yeah, something yeah. like that. And you don't want anything back. You don't want any food or maybe maybe when the restaurant reopens you, they accumulate all of your donations and they give you a percentage of that off your first bill or something. Sure, you know, I don't sure. know. Dare I say, Corey, that's a really good idea. Yeah. Because <laughs> you're right. There are places that I really enjoy, and but I'm not, you know, 
I don't feel like that food today, but I I'd probably give I would give five bucks just to keep help them stay open. Yeah, I don't I want anything in return. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean places that you would go where it would be very hard to get something out of right now. Anyways, I mean you can't be served alcohol to go, but you definitely don't want to see that bar go away. Sure, sure. Yeah. I, I don't. Think, I think there's something there. It's also possibly rot with fraud, but whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Easily manipulated. Yes, absolutely. Would you guys be comfortable with pain, though, as things gradually begin to reopen a like a COVID gratuity or an extra charge considerate of operating costs? Yeah, you're saying required by the business that's put onto the bill. Yeah. Beyond what? Yeah. I mean, I I wouldn't probably have a problem with that because it would be a percentage base, I would imagine. And as long as you're not going in there and spending $400, you're not going to be accumulating that much on that tax or on that much percentage. Right. But like what, what if they were to calculate, okay, we need six staff members. This is the number of, of place settings we're allowed to have. We need to generate this amount of money to, at the very least, cover the cost of having the staff in here and the PPE for them. Right. So that's what that money is going directly towards, is paying the staff and, and for the equipment. Absolutely. I, I'm on board with that. Absolutely. I wouldn't think people would have a problem with it. I mean, they're already uh, increasing their gratuity. I mean, that's been something I've seen across the board, knowing that those individuals aren't going to see the same type of paycheck. You know, they, they step up to the plate. Do you think you'll feel comfortable traveling anytime soon? In what way? Well, not, I don't know about, I guess in any, getting on a steel tube and flying sure. somewhere or... Uh, you know, getting in your car and going to another state. The car travel, I have no problem with. I mean, we've we've done it just recently, gone down to Oklahoma. But, I mean, that's not too far for us. But uh, the airplane, I, I can imagine it's going to be a hard sell here coming up. Just being locked in the tube with strangers. The nice thing is that the car doesn't have any strangers. So, <laughs> unless you want it to. I mean, that's your choice. Yeah, I don't know. The travel is uh, that's a that's a tough. That's going to be a while for me, I think. And I love. I mean, we all love to travel. Um, I don't know. What the one thing is, will will countries open the borders? And some will, and some won't. But I just same thing with the decision. I don't think I I'd be comfortable. You know what I've learned from this is you're able to kind of control your own environment. You know, you can go outside when you decide you want to you can go for walks in areas that you know there aren't many people and not on sunday afternoons for example and but when you travel you lose or at least i would lose that that zone so i don't know i think i I, i'm gonna wait it out for quite a while i imagine yeah i just want to know when i can see my mommy that's yeah that's kind of where i'm at right (laughs) it's where she located ontario so you know one one province over and uh there's a combination of there's not any kind of restrictions, but it's certainly not advised for interprovincial travel at this time. And then further to that, you know, my parents are in that that risk area. What have you have you seen? Like, have you been close to your parents more than like two meters close to your parents since this is no, no, they've come by and I've gone by their place, but like stand on the street and yell something at them type of thing. Yeah. Not not anything close. No, really. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I've I've seen my family once. Um, I mean, all throughout March, April, and the beginning of May, we stayed apart. But once the restrictions started to lift, we got together. I mean, 
for the numbers in Kansas City weren't as high as other places, right. and they were isolated to certain demographics. So as long as those individuals aren't falling into that demographic, I mean, and maintaining a, a healthy approach to life, or at least checking your temperature and, and keeping your distance from strangers, I, I feel like that's not as high of a risk. But yeah, there's still folks that I know that aren't going around their family. Ain't nobody in here around Montreal is really following the, the guidelines. Um, is that right? It's very discouraging. Um, yeah. And, and not to the fault of the individuals, because again, the, the marketing has been bad. <laughs> They're not sure. really disseminating the information well, maybe accurately, but certainly not well. Because um, I just, I read in the, I think the Atlantic, it was how Canada is going to next expand social bubbles. So we're going to double bubble. Right. And all of this. Catchy. Yeah. It's great. It's like, I've never heard of this and I live here. <laughs> I've never heard of this double bubble, right? Where you can pick another family grouping, another bubble, and under certain conditions, you can now integrate that bubble into your bubble. Well, I've never heard of that either. Exactly. I don't know what that is. Uh, but the Americans are writing about it going, look how great that is. What a great mm-hmm. idea. We should be doing that. It's like, so should we? Yeah. <laughs> Well, we've, we've said this before. I mean, I, I don't know that there is information. Maybe somebody has information, but this these protests and these mass gatherings that are happening might, not to sound morbid again, but it might be like a, a case study for who is more vulnerable and maybe confirming that people who are over 60 and people with pre-underlying illnesses are the, are actually the ones and maybe people other people are safer or maybe not, but we'll we'll see. But... Double bubble? No, I have not. Uh, I've not heard of that. I, you know, this is going to sound bad. Yes. <laughs> but perhaps out of this, what we learn is that the the risk group is the group that needs to continue to self isolate until we have a treatment or a vaccine. That it's you know, I hate that, but what if that's the case? What if it is like seventy and up? Y'all can't really be close to people until we get this figured out. The rest of us. Sure. All right. Right. Get back. Yeah. yeah. To normalcy. I, I, I don't see why that hasn't been proposed. I think that there's so much misunderstanding as to what's going on or, or, or they're still trying to figure things out that they just can't, they can't make an assessment as to what the best protocol is. And I think that's why I haven't, we haven't seen that yet, but I imagine that's where it's going to go because yeah. the economy can't just sit still. I think the one thing that I would like, and they don't, and they don't know this, and this will take a long time, but they, the one thing that still for me is out there is, can you get it again? And will it be worse? Sure. So those are the things. And there are countries that were ahead of us that are starting to go through this quote unquote second wave in Italy, Spain, Iran, that kind of stuff. And I guess we'll see, maybe we're a bit luckier to have had it, experienced it a little bit later than, than others, but I think that's that's the one thing that I still we don't know yet, and that's that's important. Sure, are you building immunity to it? Sure. And the fortune, the fortunate part of being late to the game, as well as that, um, you know, treatment has improved tremendously, right? Sure. So by second wave, maybe maybe we do have a, an expectation of not only how rapidly will this spread and what the hospitalization rate will be, but then how to treat those that are hospitalized. From what I read today the you know they're getting very quick at determining immediately whether or not someone will need to be in an icu or sent home 
I know. And three, four months ago, that was an unknown. So that's why mm-hmm. hospitals were just jamming up with folks. Yeah. But um, yeah, it's it's a weird learning curve. Yes. Absolutely. I've also started, for better or worse, I've started reading The Stand by Stephen King. Huh? I saw that. Which <laughs> is his pandemic uh-huh. fiction. But it's I I knew what it was about. I haven't read it before, but I started reading it on purpose just to just to see how my mind would kind of react. It's interesting because apparently he consulted with epidemiologists to write the book to make sure that he was accurately portraying what might happen. And sure. there's a lot of you know isolation and not people not going to see other people. So there's a lot of similarities there. It's pretty. I don't want to say interesting, but it's it's interesting. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I mean, it's like hot zone. That's another yeah. one that I think of that <laughs> yeah. comes to mind. Or watching Contagion or even mm-hmm. The Happening, but I would put The Happening probably at the bottom of the list. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I haven't got through those pandemic documentaries on Netflix yet. I'm not quite ready for that. At least Stephen King, I can imagine. That's very visual, so I'm not sure. I'm going to watch those. I started the that series prior to its like grand arrival here in, in Canada, now that we have the Chinese plague. And I found... <laughs> Uh, after the first episode and a half, once everything was kind of exploding in Wuhan, it's like I, I just couldn't watch it anymore. It was yeah. so just really troubling. Sure. Absolutely. For, for, mean, the, listen, for the listeners, by the way, I, I don't, I was making fun of, of Donald Trump. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, totally. Just don't, they, uh, don't email me on that, please. <laughs> That's, Brent, uh, the tone on that, that documentary was definitely uh, just bleak. Yeah. I, could, I could see that that didn't have that sensitivity that was, I don't know, the expectation of an actual pandemic happening. So it just. Well, you only need one. to hear that every town in the United States somewhere has a mass grave. Right. Every one of them. It's insane. <laughs> somewhere around your town, there's a bunch of bodies. It's nuts. Yeah. But maybe that's the right tone. I mean, we all want this to be over. We all want it to be this light. Oh, it's not that serious. But, and maybe that's true. Maybe that will come to fruition, but maybe that bleak tone is kind of maybe what we need to hear. Scared into submission. Is that the idea? I like it. Maybe. I just scared. I just, the reality, maybe it is what it is. Sure. Just stay home. It's not hard. It's not. Not with Netflix. (laughs) Right. Okay. Well, I'm Corey. And I'm Woody. I'm Brian. And this was the ISOCAST. 